What's up, everyone? Hope everyone's having a great March 7th franchise tag deadline day. Passed an hour ago. Got some deals done. Some money spent. Um, got a lot of other stuff going on, too. But, anyways, good to have Danny here. And uh, we'll talk about XFL franchise tags. Got... Uh, some QBs moving on. And yeah, a lot of releases today as well as teams. Uh, tomorrow will be a week away from the start of the new league year. So Saturday, we only had one game, XFL Seattle Sea Dragons getting their first win um, under head coach Jim Hazlitt there. Over the Vegas Vipers, 30-26. And, I mean, the Seattle offense continues to be just electric uh, in between the 20s anyways. They've had some issues scoring, um, not in this game. But, yeah, Ben DiNucci continues to lead the league in passing yards. Josh Gordon and Ja'Core Pearson, the top two in receiving yards in the XFL. Really great offense. Ben DiNucci making himself look good. Uh, possibly getting an NFL shot in the fall here. But, um, yeah, 29 of 37, 78.4%. That's fantastic. 377 yards, four touchdowns. One pick, six carries, 32 yards, and a fumble. Uh, turnovers have been an issue, though, for the Sea Dragons. Sorry, has he been good all year? I mean, has he been good in the first three games, or is it just is he? I haven't been I haven't been paying too much attention to the XFL. Has he been uh, racking up the yards here in touchdown? No, yeah, yeah, he has he has a good amount of yards. Um, the exact number, I believe, he has over seven hundred yards, I believe, through three games. I'd have to check, but um, yeah, 855 yards through three games, which is by far the most. 132 yards above Brandon Silver's of the Roughnecks in second. So, yeah. And like I said, Jacor Pearson um, and Josh Gordon, the two leading receivers in yards in the XFL right now. I like to see it. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I love Rod Woodson, but unfortunately, man, his Vipers are not doing well right now. Um, couple games, week one and this one, were both tough games for them, close ones. I mean, this one, they actually had the lead. Seattle had to come back at, in the fourth <clears throat> quarter to win. But um, Brett Hundley got the start once again. He's been the... Uh, he's been the starter, or no, this was his first start, yeah. He played in last week's game. This week was his first start for the Vipers. Wasn't terrible, other than the inaccuracy, 13-28, to 46.4%, 224 yards, two touchdowns. Really good rushing day for him, eight carries, 66 yards, a touchdown, and he had a two-point conversion as well, the only... Uh, extra point conversion of the game to Martavis Bryant there. 
Um, but yeah, former your your former Packer there, Brett Hundley. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I mean, <laughs> maybe better than the Sean Kaiser though. <laughs> Uh, Morgan Ellison had a great day on the ground for Seattle. 17 carries, 103 yards. Um, I can't remember if that's the first 100-yard rushing game of the season um, or if it's the second. I think we might have had one last week um, from someone. So I think this might be the second 100-yard rushing at, rushing game in the on the season here. Uh, in the XFL? Yeah. Yeah, in the yeah. XFL. A lot more, uh, a lot more uh, yards gained in the air then. No, so far, yeah, but but it's also just like the defenses have been really stout against the run. Um, I think that's mm. uh, that's one of the other things too. Uh, John Lovett, big fifty-yard touchdown reception in this one on two targets for the running back. And like I mentioned, Josh Gordon, Jacor Pearson were fantastic in this game, especially Gordon. Um, six catches, 118 yards, two touchdowns, seven targets. Pearson, seven catches, 99 yards on nine targets. And uh, he is leading the league in receptions and receiving yards. 23 catches, 272 yards through uh, three games here. Josh Gordon tied for the league lead in receiving touchdowns with three. So, Yeah. Potent offense there in Seattle. Jeff Bidette scored for Vegas. Uh, Blake Jackson, Jawan Green scoring, receiving touchdowns as well for Seattle. Defensively, my defensive player of the game is uh, Vegas linebacker C.J. Avery. Five tackles, one solo, one tackle for loss, and a fumble recovery off of Danucci. Seattle covered minus three and a half, over 38 hits. It was literally a tale of... Two, two uh, totals here. The first two games of the weekend went over. The second two games of the weekend went under. DC Defenders, baby. We're 3-0. Top of the North Division. Um, tied for Houston with the best record. Uh, still undefeated. The only two teams still undefeated after beating the St. Louis Battlehawks 34-28. We're going to do this game over again in two weeks, March 18th, in St. Louis, though. So I'm excited for that one. I, I kind of wanted to go to that one since it's still during spring break, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> uh, A.J. McCarron, a really good day for him, 26 of 42, 61.9%, uh, 262 yards, four touchdowns. He did The turnovers killed him, though. Two picks, one fumble, had two two-point conversions there. McCarron's been good most of the – Season so far, uh, third in passing yards, 636 on the year. And, I mean, D.C., this is a fight, and they got they got what they wanted out of it. You know, Jordan Ta'amu, a lot better than he has been. The first two weeks were absolutely terrible, um, under 100 passing yards both both weeks. Uh, but, you know, a lot, of, a lot of deep shots for him in this one, 11 of 20. 55%, not the greatest, but over 50% right now it, early on in the season is is fine with me. 196 yards, a touchdown, a uh, big thing. Uh, he did have another fumble, though. 10 carries, 22 yards, a fumble. Two two-point conversions for him as well. 
Derek King actually threw the ball for once. Uh, used to him running the ball the first two weeks, not really throwing it much. But uh, he did get a couple throws in to, to offset the defense is really what it did because they were just loading the box um, for, because they knew he was going to run whenever they came in. So, But three of three, perfect. 14 yards through a touchdown. Uh, two carries, nine yards. Not a lot of rushing for him in this one. Abram Smith, he led the game in rushing, 16 carries, 54 yards, three catches, 16 yards. He is now second in uh, the XFL in rushing after Ellison's big day in Seattle there. Rykel Armstead, bad day for him. Uh, Two fumbles would have cost D.C., but their defense is... I, I'd arguably the best defense in the league. Them and Houston, obviously, the top two teams. I mean, I mean three and oh, three and oh, and uh, their defenses are good at taking the ball away, good sacking the quarterback. So, uh, Brian Hill did fumble. He had a good receiving day, though. Four catches, 49 yards, a touchdown. Hakeem Butler was a monster all day. Uh, nine catches, 105 yards, touchdown on 13 targets for the, uh, Six five wide receiver there out of Iowa State. And um, what else here? Lucky Jackson, he had a two-point conversion. So did Stephen Mitchell for Seattle. And Ethan Wolf scored a touchdown and two-point conversion for D.C. Defensive player of the game, Michael Joseph. I mean, he is an absolute monster. On uh, DC's defense, turnover machine, five tackles, all of them solos, and a 41-yard pick six. Uh, that's his second pick six of the season. Three interceptions ties him with the Jenna Harris for uh, the league lead early on. Three mm-hmm. weeks, three picks. So <laughs> pretty solid right now for Michael Joseph in the, the DC secondary. I also do want to mention, though, D.C.'s uh, linebacker, Davin Bellamy, a Georgia Bulldog, of course. Um, five tackles, two solos, two sacks, two tackles for loss, and a forced fumble. D.C. covered minus two and a half, over 36 and a half easily. The Renegades, this is all a barn burner. Uh, ten, ten to nine. Over the Guardians. They had to come back, too. They were down 9-3 in the second half here. Paxton Lynch actually played very well. Um, This was his first good game (laughs) out of the first three weeks of the year. Uh, Probably because the coaches stuck with him the whole game. You know, the first two weeks, uh, week one, they interchanged him with Quentin Dormady. And then, you know, last week they interchanged him with DeAndre Francois. So didn't really have an opportunity to get momentum going. And he really did in this one. 19 of 31, 61.3%, 219 yards, 10 carries, 43 yards, and their only score of the day on the ground. Um, the, the difference was is that, you know, they went, they didn't convert their, their two-point conversion and the Renegades converted their one-point conversion 
to to win the game. So I was disappointed though. On the other side, Kyle Sloter getting his first start uh, on the year for Arlington. They they went away from Drew Plitt, who started the first two games. Wasn't great accuracy, uber accurate. Eighteen and twenty three, seventy eight point three percent. Not a lot of yards though. One hundred twenty four yards. And uh, just the one touchdown there, I expected a lot more from the combo of Bob Stoops and Kyle Sloter, who lit up um, the USFL last year in New Orleans. So, yeah, is kind of a tale of two quarterbacks. And really, I think the Guardians did deserve to win this based off how Paxton played. Um, just couldn't get enough points. <laughs> yeah. Davion Smith, he led the game in rushing for the Renegades. 18 carries, 49 yards, one catch, six yards, and he converted that one-point conversion that won the game. Um, big thing for Orlando was the turnovers with Jermaine Martin. Not, seven carries, just nine yards. Two fumbles on the day, one catch for seven yards. Not great for him. Cody Latimer continues to be a stud. You look on, it's crazy, you know, on a losing team, he is going to be a guy that, that gets another NFL shot um, after being with the Broncos for a little bit there. But, yeah, six catches, 66 yards, eight targets, leads all tight ends in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. Um, so, yeah, he is definitely the best tight end. Sal Canella for Arlington rivals him, but he didn't have a great day this week because of Sloter um, not really throwing the, the ball deep. Didn't have an opportunity to get a lot of yards. Uh, Tyler Vaughn scoring the Arlington touchdown there. Five catches, 39 yards on seven targets and the score. And then a lot of defense, of course, in this one. I think I'm going to go with uh, the Renegades linebacker Darnell Sankey, just signed last week. Eight tackles, five solos. Half a sack and two tackles for loss. I'm looking at here and I'm, you know, looking at names that I might uh, recall from the NFL, Paxton Lynch, of course, but Will Hill. Mm-hmm. Wasn't he on the Ravens for a while? Okay. Yep. So he he had a good day, too, it looks like. Yeah. Yep, that he did. Eight tackles, five of them solos, half, or ten tackles, seven solos, half a sack, one tackle for loss there. Guardians, the only underdog to cover this week, plus eight. They were massive underdogs in this one. Uh, that was the, that's been the biggest spread of the year so far, under thirty-seven easily. And this game was what broke me yesterday. Uh, so I had the parlay, the weekly XFL parlay that I do. Um, I didn't publish it on Twitter this week like I did the first two weeks, hoping that maybe if I kept it to myself, it would change things. And it was looking good. Seattle had a comeback win on Saturday. DC won on uh, the first game on Sunday. And then the last game, Sunday, I had the over, you know. Over 36, we're looking good. 29 points at halftime. It's 22 to... um, 22 to 7 at halftime. I'm like, this is great. We're looking good. 29. We just need one score and, and a two point conversion, and then we're good. Um, that did not happen. Six 
total points in the second half was just absolutely ridiculous. And the the biggest thing I had with this one, the Brahma's play calling in the red zone was absolutely atrocious. They had, uh, what was it, second and goal from the one-yard line. They ran it from the five to the one on first down. Or four to the one on first down. Second and goal, third and goal, fourth and goal. All run plays for one. That's the first thing I have an issue with. How do you not mix in a pass, play action, whatever you want? You got to throw it one time if you're going to go for it on fourth down and you know you have four downs there. Secondly, they ran it three straight times in between the tackles where they weren't... So I understand if you run it on second down and third down uh, in between the tackles and you, you don't score, right? But the audacity by Heinz Ward and his coaching staff to run the ball on fourth and goal after you had already been stopped twice in a row into the teeth of the defense... And not throw the ball on fourth and goal or play action. I would have play action on fourth and goal. I just, it just, I didn't understand what was going on. They lost like four yards because of the penetration. Yeah. They have Jack Cohn at the helm too. I mean, he's a former Badger. Yeah, he didn't have a good game. But I mean, he's not, he's not great. So, I, I mean, I see why he would maybe want to run three times in a row, but at the same time, yeah, you got to mix it up a bit. The, at least for, anything, run. Run to the outside. I mean, try to get to the outside, do something else. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, if you're <laughs> trying to get back in the game, you got to do something more creative, I guess you can say. And they were going for the tie. Uh, yeah. You know, they were going to score and go for the three-point conversion to tie the game. Um, this was early-ish in the fourth quarter. I think it was with about nine minutes to go. And then the other thing that, that irked me in this one, the Roughnecks were on the, the precipice of field goal range. Um, to go up 25 to 13 and they had a fourth and one on like the 30, I think it was on the, the 37 or something like that. Maybe, maybe it was closer than that. I think it was on the 35, I don't know, whatever, but yeah, fourth and one. They ran on third and one. They ran the QB sneak, the the push, you know, whatever, the, the Eagles push. And they didn't get it. So kind of the same thing. Fourth and one, they run up. They do the same exact thing and don't get it again. I'm like, what are we doing? And the thing is, earlier in the game, they ran the same play. But... Cole McDonald, who is their short yardage quarterback guy, uh, he kind of did a self-audible 
And when the ball snapped, he ran outside to get away from all the big guys in the middle and got like three yards on a, another, uh, I think that was a fourth and one, maybe it was third and one. But I was, I thought, that's exactly what I thought he was going to do again. I was like, I thought, I think he's going to run left. Just run right outside because that's where no one is. But no, he ran right up the middle. Max Borgie couldn't run, couldn't uh, push him over, which I thought the replay showed that he did get it. Um, but Dean Blandino said no. So, anyways, despite my losing over by one, uh, Brandon Silvers for the Roughnecks, good day, 24-35, 68.6%, 278 yards, three touchdowns, one pick, one two-point conversion. And that's the only thing, too. Like, we had the over, right, when the Brahmas scored their second touchdown. They missed the two-point conversion that we needed. Mm. <laughs> so I was like, damn. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, Jack Cohn. Jack Cohn, I said he didn't have a good day. His first two games were pretty good. Um, eight of 20 here, 40%, 64 yards, one touchdown, one pick, one one-point conversion. Um which San Antonio is weird. They're like the only team that consistently goes for one. Uh, Cole McDonald, he did throw a pass, and this one usually doesn't, but he did throw one here, completed it for three yards and one two-point conversion. Uh, Max Borgie led the game in rushing. Very good day for him, 15 carries, 74 yards, four catches for 12 yards, the Washington State Cougar there. And then John Trey Kirkland continues to, to be a beast in the receiving game. Uh, third in receiving yards in the XFL. Six catches, 77 yards, two touchdowns on seven targets, and one two-point conversion. Deontay Burnett had a hell of a touchdown reception on his two catches for 31 yards, six targets there. And then TJ Vasher converted his one reception for a nine-yard touchdown and a one-point conversion. Um defensively i gotta go with uh the brahmas on the losing end linebacker delante scott three tackles all of them solos one sack two tackles for loss mm. rough next cover minus four and a half under 36 one note college football note here texas head coach steve sarkeesian um telling reporters that there will be um, a quarterback competition, sophomore Quinn Ewers and freshman Arch Manning will compete for the starting job. It'll be a good one. What do you have there? I think. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Arch is obviously has all the hype, but so did Quinn Ewers when he went to Ohio State uh, his freshman year and then transferred to Texas last year. Um, so I don't know. Quinn Ewers played yeah. pretty well. Quinn Ewers played well enough. If he wouldn't have got hurt, I think they would have beat Alabama. But yeah, the last name doesn't say at all. I mean, you gotta you gotta show for it. You gotta put in the work and prove that you can be that guy. So Archman really has a lot to live up to. Yeah. Franchise tag deadline. Um, so we had a bunch of guys tagged here. A bunch of guys not tagged also which we'll get to, but uh, the franchise tags that were placed today, anyways. Um, Cowboys, running back, Tony Pollard. Raiders running back, J. 
Josh Jacobs and Giants running back Saquon Barkley. They are all making $10.09 million this year on the one-year deal. Obviously, the goal is to get long-term deals, at least for Pollard and Barkley. I do not think the Raiders are going to sign Josh Jacobs to a long-year deal. Um, I think the Giants will sign Barkley to a long one eventually. Pollard is a question mark because of the broken leg. Not sure how he's going to come back from that. So I, if I were the Cowboys, I probably wouldn't sign him to a long-term deal right now um, unless they want to do like a two-year deal. Something like that. That's shorter. But other guys getting tagged today. Jaguars tight end uh, Evan Ingram. $11.35 million for him. Um, that's a solid number for his production there. And then the big one. Came down to the wire, but uh, Ravens. They have tagged quarterback Lamar Jackson, non-exclusive tag, $32.41 million. That's a solid number for the team. Um, and another team now with the non-exclusive tag can come in, submit an offer sheet to the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, and if the Ravens decline to match that offer, that's fine. We'll get well. Uh, they'll take two first round picks and send Lamar on his way. So maybe he'll go to Detroit. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, that was the right decision from Baltimore. As much as I hate Baltimore, I like to be right, and um, I think eventually I will be right. Because the it kind of shows the Ravens what what they think of Lamar Jackson and what I think of Lamar <laughs> Jackson as well. Because as much as Eric DaCosta can put out those statements that say we are we are committed to to bargaining in good faith and, and signing Lamar to a long term deal, I don't think that's true. And I agree with that. It's, it's yeah, they wouldn't do it. Fair. They wouldn't do it. They, you know, with the non-exclusive, it shows. But they just they're willing to move on. Yeah, and I think there's there's plenty of routes that you can move on to. Um, teams not reportedly not pursuing Lamar have uh, have been, and they've been pretty quick to come out and say that they're not pursuing him. The Falcons, the Dolphins, Panthers, which I'm very excited about, Commanders, and the Raiders. I, the Panthers and the Raiders are the two that stand out to me of that list. Partly because I'm a Panthers fan, but um, I think that the Panthers are the main competitor with the Indianapolis Colts right now to move to one. So, at least that's what I've heard. And I, move to I one as a move to the one in the draft. Yes, yes, which I would be very excited about. 
Um, and then if they don't draft Bryce Young at one, I my heart will just be crushed, and we'll just we'll have to we'll have to stop the the live draft coverage at that point. Because... How about how about CJ Stroud? What are your thoughts on that? He's all right, but it's just the the style of offense at Ohio State just historically has not shown to produce NFL quality quarterbacks, regardless of the talent that they have the offense that they run at Ohio State is not a pro-style offense. So Yeah, and I don't know if you if you saw this, and I don't know if this is true, but C.J. Stroud said during uh, NFL Combine that he looked up to Deshaun Watson and Michael Vick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Why would, why would you say that? I'm... But yeah, the Raiders are one team that I, I don't know what they're thinking of what they're looking to do um you know the veteran quarterback market has been weeded out now with the deals for Derek Carr and um Daniel Jones and really the only one that is out there is Aaron Rodgers um but he's Mm -hmm. reportedly going to the Jets which we'll talk about or or you want to talk about before you leave yeah I gotta head out I know you're getting to that right now but um yeah. Uh, so to I set mean, the scene, to set the scene real quick, what? to set the scene. Okay, go ahead. The the Packers have officially allowed Aaron Rodgers to permission to speak with the Jets, and they're having they have a contingent that landed in California today, that includes owner Woody Johnson. I know uh, Robert Sala was on that list. I don't remember who else. I would. Uh, uh, I would think that GM Joe Douglas would also be on there, and probably offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett as well. Um, I'd have to try to find the list again of who all went on that trip, though. I don't, I don't know how far down it's on my Twitter feed. Okay. But anyways. Yeah. So, as a Packers fan. It, I don't know how to really feel about it. Uh, the thing is, is that I feel like Aaron Rodgers would like to stay with the Packers. I I think he, but I also think he, you know, he loves the game too much that he wants to continue playing. And the Packers are not going to fully commit to him. And why would you know, mm-hmm. if I was in his shoes, like why would I want to be with a team that's not fully committed? The thing is that, you know, Brett Favre did the same thing. And Brett Favre, as great as he was for the Packers, his legacy kind of tarnished in terms of, you know, going to the Jets, which was fine. But then, you know, he went to the Vikings. Not sure what Aaron Rodgers, you know, future looks like in terms of other teams that he might go to. Um, But if he does go to the Jets, I wouldn't say his legacy is tarnished with the Packers, even, even slightly. Or not as at least not as much like as Brett Favre. Um, Brett Favre's legacy is tarnished, but the thing is that I feel like Aaron Rodgers subjectively wanted to be an all-time Packer and always be a Packer, but now him maybe going to New York or another team or whatever is gonna. I don't, I don't know. It kind of hurts. I wish he would just retire. 
<laughs> I think he's proven enough. He's a four-time MVP. Should have won another Super Bowl, but one I guess one is is all right. Um, but I'm also excited for Jordan Love. I'm really, really hyped for him, and hopefully he can do really well. I'm just curious to see how he can do, and if if he doesn't have a great season the first year or two, like then obviously there's something to worry about there. But you know, got to take a chance. But I. Fair just leave. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. It just sucks that we have to watch him on another team. I have to look at his stats and you know tune into his games and see how he's doing. That's yeah. just exhausting. It sucks. I wish he would just retire as a Packer and be done with it. He'll be in a whole and other conference. <laughs> what? He'll be in a whole other conference. It doesn't matter. That's the thing. Like I just, I just don't want him to succeed as much as he did with Green Bay because he's always, you know, he's been the team for 16, 17 years. So it, it, I, I get it. Like he, he's going to, yeah, hold a conference. So it won't really matter as much, but still seeing him succeed would kind of suck. Like when Brett Favre moved to the Jets, like, and then doing really well because they didn't make the playoffs that year. But anyway, um, I'll say if Jordan yeah. Love does bad his first year, you don't got to worry. You know why? Because there's a man playing in Southern California right now um, that that could be there for the taking if the Packers are that high up on the draft board next year. <laughs> Wait, who? The reigning who Heisman Trophy winner, Mr. Williams. Oh, yeah. Caleb Williams. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's a possibility. But, and I just, I mean, he did pretty well his first year as a starter with the Packers, but they went six and ten. I'm kind of thinking that's what Jordan Love's going to do. He's going to have a pretty good year, but the Packers ultimately will not have a good record. He missed the playoffs, which is sucks two years in a row, but, you know, hopefully we can see something out of him. And we saw it during the regular season this past season, especially uh, versus your team, Philadelphia, when he had a pretty good game when he came in for Aaron Rodgers. Um, so, yeah, I think the Eagles won that one. We'll see. Yeah, they did. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, it just sucks that he might. I I just wish he would retire and just call it a day and go <laughs> be a hermit somewhere or something. And we can have his number retired and do a little speech and all that, go in the Hall of Fame, blah, 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 and then just. You know, with that because I just don't want I just don't want him to do what I just don't want him to find the footsteps of Brett Favre and you know feel like he has to go after something that's not there, which is go you know try to backstab the Packers. That's what, that's what Brett Favre did, and I just hope that Aaron Rodgers doesn't think he has to do that. He wants so. to chase a ring, and the Packers are not a championship caliber team right now. Whatever. Whatever. And then I see also in your uh, your script here that Randall Cobb underwent surgery and he's unsure if he'll play. I'm, I'm sure he's going to retire. Maybe that's also pushing away Aaron Rodgers, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Rusty. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head out. So. All right, dude. Appreciate <laughs> it. Have a rest of your day, man. Take care.
Um, the guys that didn't get tagged. How about how about we go to that? Uh, so Orlando Brown Jr. left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. He did not get tagged. The Chiefs are trying to work a long-term deal with him still. The Just the tag number was too high for them right now. Eagles did not tag safety C.J. Gardner-Johnson nor uh, defensive tackle Javon Hargrave, both probably hitting free agency. Um, I know Hargrave definitely is with how he played. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, I've heard the Eagles are trying to get him back still on a long-term deal, probably something in the four-year range. Patriots, uh, their big star corner, Jonathan Jones, did not get the tag, um, and nor did Rams kicker Matt Gay. He is expected to garner a lot of interest on the free agent market from what um, Ian Rappaport, I believe, was the one that tweeted that out, or maybe it was Adam Schefter. Regardless, um, a lot of interest probably for... um, Maybe the top kicker. You know, Robbie Gold is also going to be in the free agent kicking pool, which uh, I kind of just went to there. Uh, Not going to return to San Francisco, but uh, will test free agency. How about the NFL scouting combine? We already told you our winners from day one on Friday. Now, we had three more days of testing there. I didn't get to watch all of it, unfortunately, but I did watch uh, a bunch of it so i think uh from the third day was defensive backs so corner i can't really think of who had a good day i know nick jones continued to look pretty good the corner from ball state um i i liked him at the senior bowl he had a, a pretty solid combine as well. Four, three, four, uh, 20 yard shuttle, which was actually one of the slowest corner times there. 40 wise, uh, DJ Turner Blazer from Michigan. 426 was crazy. The Maryland guys ran fast to Jacorian Bennett, 43 flat. Deontay Banks, 435. Keely Ringo, I thought looked pretty good. Christian Gonzalez. Um, Joey Porter Jr. looked fantastic. 4-4-6, he ran a lot slower than what he thought. He thought he was going to run in the 4-3s. But uh, I thought he looked really good during on-field drills. Just has to get the ball production up in, um, in the NFL. As far as... Vertical, Deontay Banks from Maryland. He had the highest of the corners, 42 inches there. Julius Brents from Kansas State was also a workout warrior. Had a lot of great times um, in measurements there. The other guys, like I said, I didn't think other... Joey Porter Jr., Nick Jones... um, I didn't think really a lot of other corners stood out to me. Julius Brents had the bit, the longest uh, broad jump, 11-6 for the cornerbacks. Again, the, the Maryland corners all up there in that. And 
Moving on to the safeties here. Safety-wise, who had a good day? Brandon Hill led the safeties in the 44-4-3. Daniel Scott, I was shocked. 4-4-5 for him. He has track speed there um, for the safety from Cal. Sidney Brown looks good. Um, Illinois safety there. And also, uh, Jamie Robinson, I thought, was good during uh, on-field work. Have to look at the verts here. Jartav Jartavius Martin, the, uh, the other Illinois safety there, 44-inch vert, crazy. His teammate, Sidney Brown there, 40-and-a-half-inch vert as well. So really solid numbers there. So, yeah, I think my my safety guys are, are J Jamie Robinson, Jartavius Martin also leading the safeties in broad jump 11-1 there. Just two three cones. That's kind of crazy. Not many short shuttles either. But, yeah, I thought, uh, thought Sidney Brown was really good as well as Jamie Robinson from Florida State. The next day on Saturday, we had that's when the big people were out. Quarterbacks, running backs, or quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends here. So quarterback, how about Anthony Richardson? Had a great day, 4-4-3 in the 40. Um, just electric there. And then he went out and did a 10-9 broad jump and a... 40 and a half inch vert which is something quarterbacks should just not be able to do there um so he killed it i thought his stock really lit it up uh, flew up here and other than him stetson bennett i mean i might be impartial because i went to georgia but stetson was absolutely great Especially when they had the vertical deep shots. I wish he would have been able to be in the the group with um Will Lev with CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson because he was in the, the group with Will Levis, but I think that uh he would have shown out against CJ Stroud there. So Stetson I thought had a really good day. And a lot of other people think Stroud had a good day, too. So, yeah, kind of Richardson 1, Bennett 2, and Stroud 3 for me in terms of days, how, how their days went there. Wide receiver-wise, I don't think I noticed anyone. Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee had the longest broad at 11-3. Vertical was a tie between West Virginia's Bryce Ford Wheaton and SMU's Rasheed Rice. And then 44-3-3 for Trey Palmer from Nebraska. He led the way there. Um, Zay Flowers, I thought, had a good day. Boston College, 4-4-2-40. Um, his measurements were a big thing there. 5-9, uh, 182. So really small there. But... Uh, also, I want to mention Bryce Young. He got his measurements in 
5'10-204. Really good weight for him. 5'10 is whatever. But um, yes, that is a solid weight because that was the big thing. People were worried about his durability. Um, but anyways, back to the wide receivers here. Zay Flowers was a guy I thought had a pretty solid day. I don't think I really saw much else. Jordan Addison had some nice catches as well. And just running through the the list here of uh, other wide receivers. In the vertical, or no, I already mentioned that. Yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I didn't notice too much. But Zay Flowers is probably my wide receiver there. Tight ends was easy. Tight ends was very easy. So Will Mallory, Miami, he led the tight ends in 44-5-4. Vertical. Zach Kuntz from Old Dominion, 40 inches. That was a very good time there. Very good uh, number there. And then Zach Kuntz also in the broad jump, 10-8 broad jump was the best four tight ends but the the tight end that won was darnell washington i mean this is easy six seven two sixty four thirty four and three eighths arms eleven inch hands that is crazy four six four forty one five seven ten yard thirty one inch vert ten two broad four oh eight um 20-yard shuttle, and then 21 on the bench. All very solid numbers. There were two instances where I saw that Dardell won the tight end group. First off, his ridiculous uh, one-handed grab at the end of their day on the fade routes. Even though he didn't get both feet in, it was still a hell of a play. And the other one was the ease that he blocked the sled and pushed it. It was funny. Someone posted a video of Darnell Washington blocking the sled. Um, and then the other tight end, a couple other tight ends after him. And it wasn't even close. Darnell just moved, pretty much picked the whole thing up and just slid it so easily and gracefully um the other tight ends couldn't do that and then sunday we had the um offensive line and running backs so broad jumps for the o-line blake freeland byu 10 feet very solid he also had the vertical record 37 inches there 40 497 Broderick Jones, Georgia, which I thought he had a fantastic day. Um, Blake Freeland got the 168 10 yard split, which is the most important for the offensive line, seeing as they don't have to move that far um, on most plays. But yeah, as far as offensive line, I thought Broderick Jones had a fantastic day. Um, I kind of wish I would have seen Peter Skaronsky more, but I, I just didn't. Jalen Duncan, I heard Daniel Jeremiah talking about him a bunch. And um, 
who else? Cody Mock. Cody Mock, I thought, had a pretty good day there. North Dakota State guard. Um, tackle guard hybrid. Darnell Wright looked very good. The right tackle out of Tennessee. And I don't think there was anyone else. Yeah, but my biggest thing, my biggest guy was was Broderick Jones. I thought he looked very good putting his hat into the ring to be the number one tackle off the board. I think they're varying. There's not a consensus top tackle, just like there's not a consensus top tight end. Um, so I think Broderick Jones had a very good day and should be able to uh, definitely going to be in the first. Just got to see what order the, the tackles go in there. Running backs, it was all it was easy. Uh, Bijan, Bijan Robinson had a great day. Um, Devin Achain there, four three two. He led the running backs in the forty vertical. Chase Brown, Illinois forty inch vert, and then broad jump. Chase Brown also ten foot seven. But the day was was Bijan Robinson's to lose four four six forty. Uh, measuring 5'11", 215, 31 and an eighth inch arms, nine and three quarter inch hands. Mentioned 4'4", 640, 152, 10 yard, 37 inch vert, 10 4 broad jump. I mean, those are very solid numbers, and he just did everything to supplant himself as that number one running back. There was no question, and the confidence was there, which like to see in a prospect. So as long as his meetings went well with teams, I think there's no question he's the first running back off the board, um, whether that be in the first round or the early second round this year. I thought uh, Evan Hall did a very was a very good pass-catching option. He's kind of a little bit bigger, at least that's what it looked like when I watched him at Northwestern. Um, actually not bad. 5'10", 209. So, yeah, that. but his receiving prowess looked very good um, during the on-field workouts. I was not impressed, however, with uh, another Georgia guy here, Kenny McIntosh. He just did not wow me. So... Maybe that says something. Maybe it doesn't. I I don't know. But yeah, he did. He just did not look that great. Um, I thought Deuce Vaughn looked pretty good in the receiving drills as well. That's kind of what I expect him to be at the next level. So yeah, a couple guys: Bijan, Evan Hall, Deuce Vaughn. There, Kansas State. It was a good combine overall. And uh, I'm excited to move on to Pro Days and uh, the draft in April. March uh, March 31st, we will be starting our, our mock draft series, divisional mock drafts. So I'm happy, excited about that as well. Other general news here, the Rams have given wide receiver Allen Robinson permission to seek a trade. Uh, LA is willing to possibly pay some of his 15 and a quarter million guaranteed salary um for that as well so you know gonna get a, a higher draft pick the more salary you retain which would be interesting for la but yeah 
Um, they're trying to move cap space. And, you know, it was reported Jalen Ramsey could be go gone and a couple other guys as well, um, as we'll get to. But the NFL, they have reinstated Jaguars wide receiver Calvin Ridley yesterday, the first day he could uh, file, and, and they reinstated him yesterday. So it'll be interesting to watch that Jaguars offense. Calvin Ridley, Evan Ingram back in the fold for another year. You know, you got Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, and, of course, Travis Etienne. So that's going to be a crazy offense to watch, for sure. Trevor Lawrence has a lot of options. The NFL released uh, their team-adjusted cap numbers. So that includes rollover cap, um, incentive payouts, and whatnot. So the Cleveland Browns have the highest uh, adjusted cap number, $251,771,834. Uh, cap number is a 224.8, if uh, I am correct there. But I'd have to uh, make sure that um, that that is correct the just want to just want to check to make sure that is that's the right number if I can find the If I can could find the right tweet, anyways. Uh, but yeah, two hundred twenty-four point eight is the cap number. So these adjusted caps, they include incentives, roster bonuses, carryover cap space, and other stuff. So yeah, the Browns have a lot of rollover, I would assume, and didn't have to pay much out in incentives and stuff like that. The Chiefs, however, did have to pay. Um, so $220,447,793, the lowest number there. My team's uh, one's at the top. Eagles are, or actually the Brown, uh, Bear, Panthers have the second most. A lot less than the Browns, though, $238 million and change. And the Eagles are fifth there. The Pittsburgh Steelers are in the middle, you know, in the 229 range with a lot of other teams. Anyways, the we already mentioned the Packers. I think Aaron's going to the Jets, and it's not going to be a big fiasco. I don't even know what the trade would look like, but, you know... I think it's going to be fine. And Packers fans, you will be okay. <laughs> it's not the end of the world. Transition had to happen some point. And it's going to happen right now. So, yeah. Uh, Danny also mentioned the Packers wide receiver Randall Cobb. He underwent surgery to clean out the, uh, the back of his ankle. Unsure if he's going to play in 2023. 
like Danny said, I would think that he's going to retire as well, especially if Aaron moves on. So um, we might have seen the last of Randall Cobb. Couple combine injuries. Oklahoma offensive tackle Wanya Morris. He suffered a grade two hamstring strain uh, while running the 40. He's going to be out about three to four weeks. So puts his pro day in question for March, but should be okay by the time private team workouts come around in April. Um, so hoping the best for Wanya. Also hoping the best for USC offensive lineman Andrew Voorhees. He tore his ACL during on-field combine drills. Uh, and then, crazily, he came back the next day to do the bench and repped out the most of the combine at 38 reps of 225 pounds, which is ridiculous, on one leg, mind you. So, yeah. Uh, that's a beastly move that shows what he want, how much he wants it. So, hoping the best for Voorhees. Probably going to hurt his draft stock a little there with not being able to play this entire season. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's what happens sometimes. Just injuries. One cat moved to note, the Saints trying to get under the cap still. Uh, they restructured the contracts of linebacker DeMario Davis and tight end Taysom Hill. $12.724 million in cap space savings there. And uh, they used that <laughs> to get their quarterback. The Saints signed quarterback Derek Carr to a four-year $150 million deal, $100 million full, uh, in guarantees, $70 million of that fully guaranteed. No trade clause included as well, so very solid deal. Uh, you know, I don't think many people have an issue with it. So, and I agree. I think the Derek Carr is worth that money. He just has not had the the team around him that he needs. Maybe the Saints aren't that team either. But there's a winnable division to make the playoffs every year of that four year deal. So, yeah. The Saints have the best quarterback in the division right now, for sure. The Giants also beat the franchise tag deadline by signing their quarterback, Daniel Jones, to a four-year $160 million deal, $82 million guaranteed, $195 million max, um, so $35 million in incentives there. It's a lot of money, $40 million per year for Daniel Jones. Um I don't agree with it, but that's the Giants' prerogative. I, You know, obviously I'm an Eagles fan, so that's fine if they want to pay Daniel Jones $40 million. Um, Jalen's going to be above that now, which is kind of scary, but $82 million over the first two years, $94 million virtually guaranteed at signing. First year cap number around $19 million, so cap friendly this year for New York anyways. Seahawks. They signed their quarterback as well. It's just quarterback signing Palooza. Uh, Geno Smith getting a new deal with Seattle. Three years, $105 million, $40 million fully guaranteed there. Um, $72 million, or $75 million base, essentially. Three years, $75 million, $105 million max. 
um, team-friendly-ish deal. And, you know, for a guy that has one really solid season in his career, makes sense, uh, that type of deal for the team and for Geno. So, reigning comeback player of the year as well. The Falcons... They re-signed uh, a key player on their defense, linebacker Lorenzo Carter. They re-signed him to a two-year deal. Um, so good to see him back in Atlanta. And then the Broncos, they signed wide receiver Lil' Jordan Humphrey to a contract. So um, Sean Payton reunited with Humphrey there, known from his time in New Orleans. Going to get some familiarity on that offense. Releases, so a lot of teams cutting, uh, trimming the fat, essentially, cutting big salaries here. The Vikings, they released linebacker Eric Kendricks, forms a solid duo with TJ Edwards in the uh, free agent off-ball linebacker club. The Rams, expected to release linebacker Leonard Floyd if they can't trade him. Um, so just another key, big piece for LA They're they're trying to sell off. They will save 3 million, um, in cap savings, but they'll have a $19 million dead cap hit. If they designate him as a post June 1st, um, release, they save 15 and a half million, six and a half million in a dead cap hit for 2023. They can spread uh, the 19 million over 2023 and 2024. Another outside linebacker being released, the Titans releasing linebacker Bud Dupree at the start of the new league year. Um, so another veteran outside backer there. His production's kind of dipped, not like Floyd. Floyd has been steady through his last three years, but Dupree's kind of dipped with uh, injuries hitting him. With the Derek Carr signing, the Saints likely to release quarterback Jameis Winston. $4.4 million uh, in cap savings and $11.2 million in dead cap hit. Uh, but a post-June 1 designation would get a $12.2 million, $12.8 million cap savings there. So likely the case with Jameis Winston. Cardinals, they are going to release center Rodney Hudson, uh, which likely he's going to retire anyways, lowered his cap number to $2 million, um, earlier this offseason. They're also going to release wide receiver Robbie Anderson, who they just traded for last year. So kind of crazy there how far he has fallen off the radar. $12 million cap savings with those two combined off the books. The Chiefs, they are releasing defensive end Frank Clark. Um, third all-time in postseason sacks is Frank Clark. So two-time Super Bowl champ with the Chiefs there. And um, going to look for a new team as they couldn't come to a new deal. The Dolphins, they are going to release corner Byron Jones. A massive free agent addition a couple years ago. Has not worked out in Miami. Post-June 1 release. Uh, he is being designated as $13.6 million in cap savings for Miami. And finally, the Bucks they have released left tackle Donovan Smith. It's a new day in Tampa. A lot of turnover there, trying to get under the cap. So Donovan Smith, a free agent, has dealt with a couple different injuries the last couple of seasons. 
Next week, next Tuesday, we'll be back. We'll be talking uh, XFL Week Four game recaps. There, uh, we don't, we won't have any anything uh, special. I don't think it will be spring break, so we'll see if we have a Friday show next week. But uh, definitely should have a Tuesday show. I'll be here in Milwaukee still, anyways. So, yeah, XFL Week Four. Look for that this coming weekend. And uh, don't forget to follow us on all our social media at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, at FAA underscore bets on Twitter as well. And then FAAPodcast.com is our website. You can check us out here on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Thank you all, and we'll see you back for Football Friday.